Hello and welcome to the Tillage Edge with me, Michael Hennessy. This is your regular update for all your tillage news and advice. The European crops are critical to the world harvest and the progress of these crops are keenly watched by grain traders across the world. Poland is a powerhouse of cereal production within Europe and the production from Poland can often give an indication of how crops are progressing across the continent. Poland borders both Belarus and Ukraine and with the country hosting huge numbers of refugees, the country is also on high alert given the war at its border. In this podcast, we catch up with Tim Bergen, who's a Dubliner farming in North Poland to see what his crops are like on his farm and the surrounding region and how or if the conflict has touched his farm. Tim, a lot has changed since last we spoke with the conflict in Ukraine, which has huge effects on many areas around farming. But firstly, we might just talk about the effects on you, your family or on your business. It's having many, many effects. Um, Nothing terribly problematic, but many effects Um, on the agriculture side of the business. um, Obviously, fertilizer is the is the big, big it's the big effect Um, a lot of the fertilizer that was destined for our area was was actually fertilizer that had been made in russia and was sanctioned as or was was impounded as soon as it came to the eu ports um so that was one effect um uh prices as prices are huge prices are a big big part of it as well prices are uh Prices had been falling a little in the last two to three weeks, but then yesterday Russia said it's not going to supply Poland with gas anymore. So I assume that today the price of fertilizer goes back up again. Mm. And in terms of, of of kind of people, obviously Poland have taken a huge amount of refugees, uh, you know, into the country. Yeah. Have they spilled across towards your area, or maybe you might, for listeners, describe just a little bit how far away you are from, if you like, Ukraine. Uh, the, so the farms are located a thousand kilometers from the Ukraine border, um, m- maybe a little bit more, thousand and twenty, thousand and thirty kilometers from the Ukrainian border uh, by road. Um, the area that we live in is it's, it's like the rest of Poland. There's just lots of Ukrainians. I I believe the number is three million at this point. The Poland has taken three million Ukrainians. Um, on top of on top of probably at least a million and a half who were here already. Uh, so everywhere you, everywhere you go, there are just Ukrainians, you know, in the shops, in the, in the, on the streets, there's, there's Ukrainians everywhere. Is that putting, is that, is that putting pressure on services to a degree? Like, no, uh, no, no, not, a, no, not at all. No, no. Okay. It, it, I mean, it looks like there's more people on the buses than normal. You see more people at bus stops. Um, certainly in the shops, you notice you notice the Ukrainians in the shops because they they speak a different language. Uh, but no, it, I think Poland has handled it very well. It doesn't really it's it's been handled brilliantly actually. Yeah, I suppose we do forget Poland is a very big country in comparison to Ireland, uh, as you mentioned. Yeah, a thousand kilometers from the border, Europe towards the Baltic Sea, and obviously it's kind of down around the corner a bit, so it's a long ways away. Yeah, yeah, but it's been done in a very low key way. But yet it's been done. I don't know. The, the Ukrainians come in here. I think within seventy-two hours they have a tax number and they can go straight to work. So, um, accom- accommodation is provided for them if they don't have accommodation. And from your point of view, will do you do you employ enough people where you might be employing some Ukrainians as well, Tim, or or not so much? Just so the type of work we do, we're not allowed to employ Ukrainians. Um, 
on the construction side, on the services side, we can't employ Ukrainians. Uh, we can employ them on the farm, but currently we don't don't have any. It's a uh, it it it's it's not really of any benefit to agriculture having more Ukrainians here at the moment because it's mostly um, it, basically all the men of fighting age are are back in Ukraine and those would have been the people who traditionally would have been tractor operators and things like that. So um, I've even heard certain farms around here have lost their workforces because the um, you know the 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 migrant workers went back to Ukraine. Yeah, we had something similar here in Ireland where, where certainly would have people working in various different jobs, including meat factories and various other different things have, have ended back up in Ukraine. So similar here as well. Yeah, um, yeah. We, we might maybe just um, go on a little bit. You mentioned fertilizer supply and that, that there was a big effect on that in terms of coming in and being impounded in the port. How has that affected your business in terms of trying to source fertilizers did you get everything that you wanted for this year? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I haven't heard of anyone who hasn't been able to get fertilizer. You just have to pay for it. There's no examples of, of people not getting fertilizer. It's just the, it's the cost of it. Yeah. And in terms of that cost, has that influenced your um, decisions in terms of the amount that you might apply to various different crops or indeed the, the mix of crops that you're after putting in this spring? No, no, it didn't. It didn't influence it. Um, that's actually more being influenced by the weather than anything else. We're, we're at the moment, we only have two thirds of the nitrogen applied. Um, we didn't apply any more because there just hasn't been any rain. So we've switched to liquid nitrogen. Um, we're, we're applying liquid nitrogen, but not not big doses of it. Um, I think I think we're applying. 30 kilos a hectare of liquid nitrogen at the moment. So if you can remind me just in terms of the, the crop mix that you have, um, would it be right in saying that a good bit of the wheat that you produce it would be bread making wheat, so you're kind of looking for that high protein? Uh, yeah, yeah. The, the wheat you would always target it for the bread market, but it doesn't always make it. And in terms, just in terms of nitrogen, then you, you, you what, what would your typical application of nitrogen be to those crops in say a year where you're expecting a fairly decent yield and maybe we'll come back then to uh, how much you're going to target for this year so winter wheat you would target 180 kilos of nitrogen and um, which which would be 150 applied you know before before first node and uh, 30 kilos then applied at, at uh, heading at the point that the head comes out um, and for oilseed rape, the application is around 220 kilos. But this year, we on the oilseed rape, I think we've only got 140 kilos out so far. And I'm not, not even sure that we'll spread anymore because there's no rain on the forecast. Really? Okay, right. The only thing is, no, they're backward. The crops are pretty backward. So the rape hasn't even, it's just ready to start flowering. Oh, right. God, that would be a long ways back, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, the whole of Europe is kind of backwards this year. It was just a, it was a cold, a long cold kind of winter and a and a, a spring that didn't really materialize. It just stayed cold all the time. And when you're looking, just go, just stick with the fertilizer. We'll finish out that one first. When you're looking at the fertilizers going forward, and to a degree, they don't look like they're going to drop a huge amount in the, in the near future, at least anyway. Are you looking at that with an eye to God, what will I do? Will I will I change my cropping, or will you largely stay the same? Take the gamble and see what way it goes. I, I think we'll just largely stay the same because the 
the future prices on on cereals and on oil seeds, the future prices are, are quite strong. So, um, relatively speaking, it it's no, it, it wouldn't make us it wouldn't make us change our crops because um, I, I I think a decision which we may have to make will be the next fertilizer purchases we do, which will probably be during the summer. Um, we'll probably lock some crop sales at the same time to 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 hedge hedge that hedge that cost increase. You know, and that, and that will that be the first time you will go into the market for the twenty three harvest for twenty three harvest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, yeah, it w- would be the first time. Yeah. Okay. And did you manage, uh, Tim, did you manage to get any of the rising prices in terms of stored grain from the 2021 harvest into 2022? Did you manage to, 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 to no, do any of that? No, no, we don't. Uh, traditionally, we don't store grain um, or we, we, we don't store a lot. So, yeah, the prices were OK in the in the autumn when we were selling in the early part of the winter. They were OK, but obviously they increased a lot since Christmas. But we don't carry, we traditionally don't carry into the spring. Um and I'm I'm not even sure that we'll do that this year. I think I, I expect the harvest prices will be quite good. We we were we were talking to Jim McCarty, who's down in Bulgaria. Um, I don't know whether he heard the podcast, but he was uh, he made a comment. I suppose almost exactly the opposite. His comment would be that it pays them very well to 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 uh, store right into the springtime. So I presume then that your harvest prices are or the prices in around harvest are good enough that it doesn't really pay you in your circumstances. Yeah, we, I mean, we're close to the port here. We're close to kind of several large grain ports. So um, the, the prices tend not to change a, a lot through the year. Obviously, last year they did. But in general, if you look over the last 15 years, no, they hardly went up at all from harvest to, to you know, following spring. So it wouldn't be it, it wouldn't be traditional that the prices would rise here. You know, around your area, would that be kind of fairly typical in terms of, I suppose, maybe two ends of it here, just asking the overall question, just in terms of what farmers are doing typically around your nitrogen application or their nitrogen applications under under crop mixes, but also in in terms of how they manage their grain sales. Is it, you have a similar policy to your neighbours? Yeah, yeah, I I think it would be broadly similar. Um, I heard that some of the farmers had forward sold their their, uh, crops for this harvest. We didn't do it yet. Um, but some guys, when they were buying their fertilizer, I think they forward sold some crop as well at the same time. And for this harvest coming coming up, have you everything in the ground at the moment? All your potatoes in and obviously your cereals, I presume, are in, but have you, have you everything planted? No, we're just planting at the moment. Um, we're not, uh, this is kind of normal planting time at the moment. So we plant for the next two weeks, I think. We wouldn't have planted earlier because the, Soil temperatures were too low, and we were getting, you know, getting down to minus one, minus two at night. And what's left to left to plant, Tim? Potatoes, and we may put some maize in, or we may put some peas in. We have we have fifty hectares of of um, that we haven't allocated yet for crop. We were we were thinking maize, or we or we put peas in. We don't. We're not sure. We make that decision next week. And so, in terms of the weather problems you're talking about, is it? That you kind of is it more so like you were saying it's a, a cold spring um, and things haven't got going or, and what's the position with moisture is it did you have a relatively dry um, winter time or what way are the reserves there? Um, the winter was quite wet but then the spring it, it dried up about four weeks ago so I think we're I think we're five weeks now without rain and um, yeah we're around about five weeks without rain. 
um, and temperatures not really, you know, going up to 15, 16 during the day and then dropping at night down to quite close to zero. And I think it's going to be like that for another week. So um, we don't expect any any huge growth. So the, the crops in Eastern Europe are not where they should be. That's for sure. Everyone everyone says the same. They're not they're not as advanced as they should be. So I remember you saying the last time we were talking, probably somewhere this time last year, that the, if they're not at that nice developing stage, when weather does take off, it tends to be a bit of a race to the end and it's a bit yield limiting. Is that is that the way it works out? Yeah, yeah, for, for sure. It'll be yield limiting. There's no doubt about that. I, I think we just from me looking at the crops, I think we've lost three weeks. I think we've lost three weeks growth. Okay. And how far do you think that, that extends, Tim, across? Is it all the way across down through Poland or does it go a little bit further across into Germany or where does it go to? It definitely is, is all of northern Germany, that's for sure. All of northern Germany and all of northern Poland. I think central and southern Poland are getting a lot of rain. Um, and then when you go south, you go into Slovakia and Hungary, Austria, uh, they're deficient in rain as well. So um, I think it's just a band that kind of go, going across central center of central Europe is getting enough water, but north and south is not getting enough. A bit worrying so in terms of the harvest is coming up along. So I presume then, or, or could I presume then with the with the likes of your crops that, that are in the ground and growing in terms of the progression of those, they're, they're fairly disease-free from that point of view, are they? Yeah, we haven't applied any fungicides. Um, and we'll, we'll start, start next week. Okay. And you you would be applying some on a, on a precautionary basis anyway, would you? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. We, we might just use... Um, um, can't think of the name for Prochloras. We might use Prochloras and Tebiconazole as a cheap uh, entry fungicide, or we might just go with straight Boscolid. Um, I'm not sure. We'll decide next week. We we look at the weather forecast as well and make the decision. And for your winter wheats, then just a, just a, I suppose in terms of where we are over here, our standard planted crop of winter wheat over here would be around um, kind of second last leaf, kind of peeping out to almost fully out. Whereabouts are your winter are your winter wheats? Um, really between first and second node. Okay, so still quite a ways yeah. back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we only applied cyclosal yesterday. We only put CCC on it yesterday. I suppose our, mar- our maritime climate does kick in at certain stages, even though we're quite wet, but it's certainly in terms of in terms of uh, being a little bit warmer, crops certainly are a little bit more developed, really. Yeah, yeah. If if, if rain comes in, in Eastern Europe, what will happen is, is the harvest will just be later. Um, if rain doesn't come, the harvest will be at the, at the same time as normal. So we'll see. And maybe to finish off, what way do you see the potatoes? Are you planting similar amounts to other years or are you planting anything different this year in comparison to what you normally would have done? We, we were going to plant nothing we, up, till, up till about 10 days ago. We, we kind of decided we wouldn't plant at all. Um, and then the most of the potatoes we grow are for French fries or for McDonald's. So we engaged with the factory, or the factory engaged with us, and we agreed some better terms. So we decided to plant. Um, but I, I, I think around Europe, a lot of people are are pulling back, and I, I certainly don't see much evidence of potatoes being planted. I think a lot of people have decided to plant corn instead because they can make better money. Okay, it's really to do with it's to do with returns, or is it to do as much with cost or both? It's to do with returns, really. It's to do with returns. I mean, costs may have frightened some people, but it's it's a lot of it's to do with returns. And as as 
the market showed this year there was a all over Europe there was a shortage of potatoes, like a genuine shortage of potatoes this year, and uh, still the market didn't react to it. So people are thinking, you know, no one's going to take the risk of planting on spec that maybe the market will react and rise. It, it definitely didn't happen this year. And given your given your late start, did, did, did you have the required seed Tim, to 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 keep up? With oh that? yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot. There's, you, this is enough seed to plant ten thousand hectares around here. Okay, so you yourself, as in, as in, obviously, potatoes are a, a pretty well planned crop. That trying to get the right seed takes a bit of time and and that kind of thing. But obviously, you had some of that in in stock anyway. We had a we, we just we actually the only thing we had in stock was some rooster. That's all. Um, everything else uh, we we purchased in, but we'll we'll just buy it. We'll buy it next week. We didn't we didn't even buy it. Um, we'll right. take delivery next week, but there's no, there's loads of seed this year. There's no shortage of seed. Thanks very much for that, for that update. It's it, it's great to get a view from a very different part of the world, and um, you certainly have quite a few difficulties and and, and problems over there in the more than every farm around, whether it's Ireland or any other parts of the world. So listen, thanks very much for that. It's been great to chat to you again. All right, good, good to talk to you. So that's it, and my sincere thanks to Tim for joining me on the podcast today. Chagas are running a series of crop walks in every tillage county across Ireland over the next 7-10 to 10 days. The walks cover both winter and spring crops around fertilisers, herbicides and fungicides. For more details on the walk in your local area, go to chagas.ie forward slash spring crop walks. As always, if you have a suggestion about a topic you'd like to hear more about, drop me an email at michaelhennessy at chagas.ie or on Twitter at Chagas Crops. Finally, don't forget, if you enjoyed the podcast and recommend it to a friend or colleague, And as always, rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you never miss an episode. And for more information, go to chargos.ie. I'm Michael Hennessy. Thanks for listening. I'll be back next week with more tillage news and advice.